0: Welcome to The Thunderstock Show, collection of valuable brainstorms to enhance your life, liberty, pursuit of property. Today's special guest is Casey Stubbs. Casey is a nine and a half year United States Army veteran, married and father of nine. He is an entrepreneur, a leader in his local church, a successful business owner, trader and author amongst other things. That, however, wasn't always the case. Casey's compelling broke dad to seven figure trading education business story will captivate and inspire you. Casey loves to share his failures with others because he believes that is where the most growth and character building takes place. Casey is dedicated to helping people from all walks of life fulfill their financial dreams while also achieving financial freedom. Helping others is at the heart of all that drives Casey on a daily basis. Without further ado, Casey Stubbs. Thank you. So, a couple things, man. I want to I wanna ask... What was it like almost 10 years, the United States military?
1: Well, I really enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I learned a lot. it was so cool, just especially because getting right out of the um, right out of high school just kind of like a rude awakening from not having to do much. you know my my family was really busy in work, so so I they didn't like supervise me all the time so I didn't do a ton of stuff. I was just kind of like chill. My high school days was chill, you know, messy room. I played sports, but it's not like I had a real super busy schedule. So then to jump into the army with a lot of structure, that was, that was really good for me. And I really enjoyed it. Plus I loved working with all the people and I loved traveling, seeing the world. And, uh, it was just a great experience for me.
0: So nine and a half years, what was your, your MOS?
1: What did you kind of do in the army? So my first MOS was 13 Foxtrot, and that is a forward observer. I would find targets on a map and then call in the location using coordinates to the artillery. Oh, man. That's uh, the opposite of chill. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I had a chill, but I, I wanted to do something crazy and dangerous. And so I'm like when I was going through the, uh, why, I don't know, young, young guys are dumb. Mm -hmm. I'm still dumb though. But, uh, (laughs) I said, give me something really crazy. They said, okay, well, how about forward observer? I said, okay, it sounds good.
0: Yeah. I talked to a Vietnam veteran. He was saying that forward observers in that conflict were the, uh, the most wild of the bunch as far as like risk-taking. So
1: I guess it fits my personality. (laughs) I've been known to be a risk taker a time or two. And uh, my grandfather was in the Korean war. He was a foreign mm-hmm. observer also. And, oh. uh, he survived to tell the tale. So he got a mortar round, landed near him and knocked him out, but he survived.
0: <laughs> wow. So you come back from, from uh, being in the military and now you're, you're uh, you know, between that point in time and become a father of nine I'm sure a lot has happened in that stretch. So did you have chill- – did you start your family while you were still enlisted? Like how did that look like?
1: Well, actually, I wasn't married in the military. I didn't get married till I got out. Mm-hmm. And um, I th- I was like 27 or so, 27 I think. And then that's when I got married and that's when I started having the kids. So it was – a it's quite a long story, but I can make it super quick. My wife had two kids when we were married. Uh, so I adopted them. Mm-hmm. Then we had five together, just boom, 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 back to back. And then uh, we also adopted two. Our neighbor uh, was babysitting uh, her her niece because the mom couldn't handle it. And then the neighbor couldn't handle it anymore. And so they were going to turn the kids into the state. And my wife is like, hey, this our neighbor's turning over so-and-so to the state. We got to go get them. so Mm -hmm. that's what my wife said so I said okay let's do it so my wife showed up to the at the courthouse and they said well since you're the neighbor and you've been babysitting you can take her and so she we took her her name was Ellie and um, as soon as we got Ellie uh, the state called again because we didn't know the mom we just knew the the sister the neighbor and uh, the state calls us said hey you know Ellie her mother um, just had another child and She can't take care of it. She dropped it off at the hospital. Uh, The child is addicted to drugs. Uh, So do you want to take her sister in? And so we had Ellie a month and then we find out, oh, her sister, she was just born. So my wife says, yes. And I said, yes, too. We'll take her. So we got the two sisters without really planning on it. And then right at that exact same time, my wife said, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant. So we actually got like three kids in a period of two months. (laughs) Well
0: man that is a that's an awesome story and as far as like lessons you've learned from fatherhood i'm you know i know that you've got quite a few lessons when it comes to trading when it comes to business ownership and you know you had an entire career in the military but i feel like one of the the biggest career development unlocks for me was becoming a father it taught me a lot of the soft skills I think that I needed to to learn when it came to business, like patience and. Uh, op- I mean, you might have learned this in the military, but operating under low sleep and and high high uh, stress from you know taking putting others' needs above your your own. There's a, the list goes on, but what are some of the the parallel lessons that you think that fatherhood and has uh, helped you with you know investing and trading and uh, business.
1: Well, I, I don't know that anyone's ever asked me that, or if you've even thought of that, like, okay, what does the skills of parenting, how does it translate into business? I'm not sure. Let me I'll, let me think on that for a minute. But I know one thing as an employer, and, and maybe this is the tie-in as an employer, I like to hire young people mm. um, because I can train them, I can work with them, and they're cheap. Um, and so they're not always mature or responsible, which can mm-hmm. be a drawback. But I will say this, whenever I have an employee and then they start having kids, I'm always really happy because for whatever reason, they get more mis- responsible, they get more mature, they do a better job. It's like there's more on the line at that point. And so it's like kind of like, okay, now they're grown up and it's time to be serious. Um, and so I think that's probably part of it. So as an employer, I love it when my employees start having kids. Um I think it just ups their performance. And I would also say, so as a father of having children, I think it does. It teaches you maturity, teaches you to think of yourself less. Um, you know, putting your kids first is really good for work ethic, for your business, for even in a job, you know, learning to put your co-workers needs above your own. It's not all about me. We're working together as a team type stuff. So there's a lot of Things that are learned, patience is really important. But I would just say too, I'm really, it's really cool. You've got young kids, so you're learning a lot. And as you kids get older, your your parenting skills develop, right? Because mm-hmm. you know what they say, you got small kids. Those small kids have small problems you got to deal with. When those kids get bigger, as big kids have big problems you got to deal with. So your skills got to get even bigger and better as they mature.
0: I think that it applies to business leadership and management as well. It's, uh, I, I think the buy-in with leadership, when you get fresh out of college or, you know, younger employees, they're just like, all right, you know, I admit that I don't have this experience due to where I'm at my age, almost more malleable. And then trying to, uh, you know, if as like a new leader coming into an organization with someone that may have been in the organization for 30, 40 years, Little bit tougher, like bigger management problems, like more like entirely new set of management um expectations and, and issues occur. So yeah, I am I'm, I'm sure it's like that with parenting as well. Um, the, the other lesson I think that especially for where you for your situation, because you have a lot going on, I can't wait to unpack that, is time management. So, like for me, I know there are some must-do's every day when it comes to parenting and when it comes to like the family. And I also know that those, you know, I'm always on call. And I also know that, um, in order to fit everything else in, you have to make a lot better use of your time. So that's the last thing, you know, I'll share with you that I've kind of taken away so far. And I'm sure that time management only gets uh, tougher with time.
1: Those are really good takeaways. Those are really good takeaways, and I like what you said about about that. So uh, I have some good responses. I think. So the first thing with, um, with time management, I think that's really critical is you, it's discipline, and that's, that's a hard one, but it, it's, it's critical for every area of your life, right? Discipline is freedom. It's such, it doesn't make sense to people, but it's true. The more disciplined you are, the more you can get done. The more success you're going to have, the more freedom you're going to have, uh, because you have a things that lock in uh, and it just opens up doorways. So discipline is so critical in time management. And so one of the most important things is actually stepping away from screens. Mm. Um, it, nowadays, screens are a disaster for people. It's be, it's just, it, and, and I deal with it a lot too. It's really hard for me. Like even today, so today is a great example. I have a really good routine where I don't get I don't get up, I don't look at my computer. I just go and I start thinking about my day. I start writing things down. Um, but even even then, I'm like, okay, let me go check this. Let me go check my phone, Let me go check my, what's the market doing? Mm-hmm. right? And like that temptation comes in, and I know as soon as I sit down at my computer, I'm not gonna get up and I'm just gonna do, start doing busy work. Right. So that's the next, and and I don't want to, I'll shorten this up because I don't want to answer too long. But the other thing is do the most critical thing that moves the needle Mm -hmm. because people like us are never done with everything. You got kids, you got a lot going on. We can never get it all done. And so we have a tendency to do busy work. Maybe our brain feels good about Getting things done. So we're going to do the busy work first. Find the high priority task. The thing that's going to move the needle the most and do that. Right. And then the other thing that's really helped me is build a team. Mm. right? People. Are everything. Build relationships with great people. And you're going to go places that you never thought possible because those great people will do, you know, the people that I've worked with that I've hired and trained and like they're, they've done way more than I have. You know, they, they surprise me every day and it just makes my life easy.
0: There's a lot of great takeaways in that, but I want to go to a different place of, you know, when you when you started your first business, you know because because you, you're a, as you know, like there's never a a uh, an option or a stock or an investment that's just linear progression straight line up and to the right. And I, I don't think any honest entrepreneur has that can say that's their story. Well, I started and month over month, my business grew this much,
1: predictably well, didn't that
0: happen with Facebook? <laughs> it might have at all. I think it might've gone. He got, he got investor
1: money though. I don't know. He,
0: he got investor money, but I know that some of his business partners, there was a sticky exit. So there was like tough times at the beginning and Zuckerberg definitely won, but to your but point, yeah. So
1: it's a unicorn.
0: Unicorn event rare. to be linear. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you as far as, you know, your, your first business, you said you, you started at 22 I'm assuming that was during congruent while you were still in the military. So what did that business – what was that? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, so I had that nine-year period in the military, but what – there was a slight break in the middle. Mm-hmm. And so I was in for four years as a forward observer, and during that time, I was putting all of my money in the stock market. Like I was investing like a crazy person. I made $800 a month in the military, not, not a lot of money. But back then, that was a lot more. Like now, it's like 16 or even 2000, something like that. So, I was putting all my money in the market. Everybody mm-hmm. else was partying and buying TV sets and eating out. And I was like, no, I'm putting it into the market. So, by the time I got out four years later, I had over $30,000 mm-hmm. in the stock market. And that's like, you know, that's good money, especially back then, because it's probably worth like 70,000 now with inflation. Mm -hmm. So I took, I got out of the military and I started my own business and I put all of, I sold all my stocks and I bought myself a carpet cleaning franchise. Whoa. Yeah. Why did I do that? Because that was the first job I got when I got out of the army. And then I'm like, oh, I was seeing my boss, right? (laughs) My boss was like doing nothing. He'd just take phone calls and send me out to to the carpet jobs and I'd bring home, bring him home like 800 to a thousand bucks from all the jobs I was doing. And I was only, only did that for like a month and a half. Yeah. That's it. I'm buying a franchise. He's like, oh, maybe you should wait a little bit. I'm like, yeah, you're saying that because you don't want me making the money. I said, I'm (laughs) going to go do it. (laughs) So I sold all my stock and went and started a carpet cleaning franchise. And uh, yeah, it didn't go too well. I just was too immature, uh, didn't have the discipline, um, didn't uh didn't follow through with with strategy and it I mean I was making money and surviving I was doing okay but while that time was going on I was in the reserves and so I just didn't really have a good strategy and I got called up full time af- at that point so I was like maybe 2 years of doing mm. it got called full time to Iraq and then while that was happening that's when I just closed it down for good I-
0: it's one of those things where you knew that there may have been a, a chance that could happen, but you're like, well, if it doesn't happen, I can still, you know, do this thing. And you saw what your old former employer was doing and you're like, oh, I can do that. And uh, it's one of those businesses where it sounds like you kind of got to be there, even if it is only in so much as not passive ownership, but he was still doing stuff every day. So that's sort of the You gotta do marketing. You gotta do marketing and leadership and making sure people are doing what they're doing and
1: making sure bills are paid. Yeah, Yeah.
0: accounting, finance. So there was there was more to it, which you learned. Right. And that's um, that's
1: young people, you know. I see that that mindset now that I had then. Young people think it's easy and that you don't know what you're doing. Like I used to think that about all the older people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll share a quick anecdote about my 23-year-old self, First, my first failed business. I love I love first failed business stories. I don't know if you feel the same way. Um, When I got out of college, I had a degree in philosophy and zero people were hiring for philosophers. I don't know if you knew that. I've got a, a
1: job opening for philosopher right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding.
0: Said <laughs> no one ever. <laughs> but uh, what I did have was family and friends, like small businesses that had, you know, small businesses. And I was like, all right, well, I'm pretty good on a computer. I like to research, like to write. Um, That's, those are things I went to school for. I guess I could loosely translate those skills. So I started building websites and ranking them in Google for, you know, small businesses and had some success. What I, what I didn't know was that just by being able to do a thing that was, you know, desirable and helpful, didn't mean I knew how to run a business. So was, Like, didn't have any idea about sales, didn't know any idea about how to, you know, ask for, manage, collect funds. I just knew how to do a thing. So, you know, I'm sitting there after a couple of successful projects, feeling good. Those businesses have all grown for, like, no cost because I wanted to build a portfolio. Again, didn't know how to sell. And I'm like, well, (laughs) just because you're good at, you know, uh, cleaning carpets or whatever that, that skill is, doesn't mean you, you're mature enough or have the skillset to run a business. So I went and picked a job. So anyway, I I, I thought I'd share that. Like I was uh, woefully underprepared, but at least I had my first marketable skill. And it sounds like for you, you learned a lot in two years
1: um, with the carpet cleaning business. I and mean, that's the best way to learn is just to jump in. You got to have a little bit of overconfidence. Think yes. that you know what you don't know and get smacked around. Same with traders. When you get, jump into mm-hmm. the markets, you think you're going to be the next Warren Buffett. Doesn't usually happen that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, Warren Buffett is like Facebook insofar as I think he's a unicorn. <laughs>
1: him and Charlie.
0: So then, you know, you you went back into the military, you spent some time in Iraq, and then you also went back to trading. What was your what was your timeline for like, you know, getting back into trading, and then in what did you learn? Like, what mistakes did you make? Like, how did you? What was that progression like for trading specifically?
1: Well, I wasn't out of trading too long. I just closed out all my winning trades, which was amazing timing because that happened in 2000. So I joined the Army 96, two thousands. when I got out. I literally sold my stocks at the peak of the bull market. And then we had a big crash in 2000. And so I was out a couple of years and then I just started accumulating again, same way I did before. And I think that's just such a, you know, this is a, for listeners, whether you're young or old, This is a great investing strategy. You don't really need to invest in a lot of different things. Just find Mm -hmm. a couple things that are really leading the pack. There's always something that is going to be a leader. Invest in the best. You know, it's the 80-20 principle, right? 20% of the companies generate 80% of the gains in the stock market. Find one of those best companies and just keep investing in it over and over and over again you know, dollar cost average, keep putting your money in and you're going to do really well. Um, like so, NVIDIA
0: would be an example. It,
1: it, NVIDIA is the company right now, right? It's it's head and shoulders above everybody else. And so you'd be crazy not to invest in NVIDIA. And especially because they're doing projections, they're thinking they're going to continue to grow at a really astronomical pace. So yeah, the price is high. Don't be like a, the kind of guy that's just chasing don't be a chaser, but just say, okay, for the next couple of years, I'm just gonna put whatever fifty bucks a week. I, I watch this YouTuber, his name's Bob Sharp, and I've I've lived this myself, but he puts mm-hmm. he did an example where he just did five dollars a day. Cause Robin Hood, the broker app on your phone, will do five dollars a day. You can do put it on recurring. So he just does that. Five bucks a day. That's really something that anybody can do, right? Yeah. I mean, just give up your your daily Starbucks or whatever. Sure, to get your lifetime of
0: or or don't give up daily Starbucks, just put it into stock instead of coffee.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Either or or. just do 10 bucks a day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um as far as you know, investing in NVIDIA, a, a, a lot of my listeners may not know the technical, you know, the market. Some some are more financial savvy, investor savvy than others. But a quick story, you know, sidebar on Nvidia, it seems like one um, force multiplier, why that stock went well. And again, I'm no, no trading expert. Don't come to me for advice or tips, but Casey, you would have the, the context to speak to this. It's like, people may not have known what crypto is going to do. And when Nvidia became like the de facto for like crypto mining, that was like a key force multiplier for how the demand for that product really grew exponentially. And then I also don't think people understood in that same rough time period that while Nintendo and Sony and Microsoft had the like the entertainment market at the time for gaming, they didn't realize how much PC gaming would grow market share and like platforms like Steam would come. And NVIDIA having success both with crypto miners and with you know casual people could sell a, you know, a a video card, like the, the uh, Invi- what was it, 2080 TI years ago or their their TI series for thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, like brand new. When AMD, the, the you know, the biggest competitor, I had a friend that was a, an IT company owner in his teens. He was like, oh, do AMD. It's cheaper. It does the same thing. And then Nvidia kind of shoots up. Same friend had uh, probably a thousand square feet of Bitcoin mining. He mined like 21 Bitcoin in the year 2010 and sold it all to go all in on Dogecoin in one of the ten wallets that failed. So it's like, what what are your thoughts on Nvidia specifically and like that whole journey? Like you can't predict the future, but like, I don't know. I just want to share that with you. Well, no, those those were that was good good in Nvidia.
1: You took us down the memory lane of NVIDIA. And one of the things too that really is is the catalyst now is their AI stuff, mm. right? Because that's the buzzword now and that NVIDIA has got a lot of AI technology in their software and in their chip making and all that. So that even adds to this. But to go back, so it kind of builds on my strategy, right? This is, this is such a basic and beginning thing. It goes back to the 80-20 principle, right? 20%. Of everything is going to be in the top and then it's going to be 80% better than the 80%. So you just invest in those. Okay. And so why not pick the number one thing? And so, like you said, Microsoft was number one and Microsoft actually, they were, when you think about Xbox, they were just trying to get extra cash flow. You know, they weren't really in the gaming market. They were in the PC. They're just trying to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always a PC gamer from the beginning. Really? Hey. Yeah, because, and I'm not a gamer now, but I grew up, this is part of my story, I guess. I grew up, my aunt worked for Intel. And so she got me started in PCs in the 80s because she'd bring home computers and we'd put them together. She'd bring whole old parts and stuff. And so when I was playing the the console games and the PC games, even early on before people were playing PC games, I always knew that they were way better. Me like, too. It never made sense for me why people would buy consoles. I I've had very few consoles. I had the Nintendo, and I think that was probably it in the eighties. What what game
0: in the when you were a PC gamer? Obviously not present day, but when you were, what was like the one thing that's like, all right, this is it.
1: Well, um, I I man, I played a lot of old school games that people probably don't even remember. Um, well, there might be some old school people here. Uh, I used to play Wing Commander. Um, which is from a company called Origin Games. Mm-hmm. I used to play Ultima. It was called Ultima. It was a role playing game on the computer. Uh, World of Warcraft. Some of the really original ones. Mm-hmm. Um, an old game, <laughs> an old game by Origin called Space Quest or Space Rogue. Space well Space Rogue and Space Quest, where you just go and uh, journey around the the galaxy. Cool stuff. Really fun.
0: Yeah, I played StarCraft. So that was like the real-time strategy. That was
1: right after Warcraft. I think I was just getting out of gaming when that came out.
0: Yep. Yeah, so that was that was my my thing. And I was great, you know, just to put put myself dated, I was in the fifth grade and I joined my first clan in, in StarCraft. I also learned how to type because of those games. So like you had to type really fast in order to continue to play. So anyway, without the gaming thing aside, it's like what you're saying with Microsoft is that gaming was just an accidental like byproduct that wasn't even their focus. But what they did was they helped to create a larger total addressable market, I think for all gamers by having their pet project.
1: Yeah. And, and honestly, Microsoft is one of my key holdings. I don't hold a lot because I liked it. Like I said, I like to get in the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Microsoft is leading the pack in a lot of areas in PC with their operating system. They're, Really got to jump on AI because they bought part of Chat GPT. And so they have their own AI. They jumped in there really early and their revenues are really good. So invest in the best. You know, Free like game. let's look at uh find so find a new industry. New stuff is popping up. Crypto, right? Crypto was mm-hmm. a new industry. Find the best, Bitcoin. Um, uh AI's new, EV, electric vehicles, right? What's the best Tesla, right? Go for yeah. the best in a new industry and stick with it. As long as they're number one, go for it. And if you go back in the history, look back, you know, look at some of these old technologies that came out when electric electric came out, you know, companies like GE, um, when, Ford. Ford when cars came out, in the you know, 40s, wasn't it? was it 40 yeah, something? No. Well, I mean, early 1900s for even before that yeah. model T stuff. Yeah. But I mean, that's a great example. You know, McDonald's really invented fast food, mm-hmm. right? And and they were the number one. And as, as a matter of fact, McDonald's is in my portfolio too because they're still crushing it. Interesting. Like, look at their charts, dude. Their, their charts are insane. It's one of the best stocks in the history of the planet. It's but
0: McDonald's, a- when you think of like, I don't want to go too deep on McDonald's. I'm familiar with... Uh... Like the Ray Kroc maybe in the story, but what's interesting about them is they're also like a real estate holding company.
1: Well, that's the whole thing is they don't really make the money from food. Yeah, they well they sell the supplies to the franchise. The franchisers are they're they're breaking the backs of their franchise. The franchisees make small potatoes.
0: Mm-hmm. Corporate,
1: <laughs> you know, their the corporate is actually has a possibility of getting up to a fifty percent profit margin. Wow, because they've got it so dialed in. Wow, and that's why their stock is is crazy. And I love that movie. I love that movie. That is such a good movie. If you guys have not seen The Founder, go watch it
0: immediately. I love that movie. I might watch it again if I have time in the near future. And one of the lessons I think that's across applicable to what your story is like, and and Ray Kroc is like, what well, was he fifty something when he he stumbled across this like, well, I think he was selling milkshake machines.
1: Yeah, and he was listening to self-help tapes. I love that part.
0: And yeah, and like you know, <laughs> it's never too late to start over. And like he was
1: a grinder, man. And and I didn't not you know he was a little underhanded and shady. But the thing is, Ray had a vision, and what he did didn't. I don't know how accurate it was, but what he did, he when yeah. he he out he he rug pulled those guys. But he had a vision, and they didn't. And a guy with a vision is hard to to stop right? They're impossible to stop. You know, if you're going to invest in a stock, invest with a guy with a vision. Um, He was unethical in the movie. I don't know how real it was. But, you got to invest in somebody with a vision. They didn't have a vision. They were content with where they were at. I think complacency kills.
0: So, when it came to... I want to go back to to this. It's like, when you say that you went back, you know, during your, you know, in between the, the time period of the military and your, you know, you started over again with, with trading, like how, how did that f- like fail necessarily? And in what, what sense? And then how did it get to where you're at today? Like tell me more about the trading, your, your tr- specific trading journey like, what are some of the key takeaways and lessons and how has it evolved over time? Cause definitely the Pareto principle, the 80, 20 rule, that's like, we're hard on that being a lesson learned. Like what, <laughs> yeah. el- like what else? I won't like...
1: mention that again. Just, no, no we're good. I in love the back that of your mind. Repetition is the father <laughs> of learning.
0: And I love that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, um, trading has been really good. And for me, you know, just because of that whole consistency thing, but I would say the real challenge happened more in business again. And, I've had a couple major challenges in business, but in 2008, you mentioned real estate industry. Well, at that time I was investing, but I was not, I was just getting started again, 2008. And that's when I ended up losing my job because of the real estate industry, because I was in Mm -hmm. construction. I just got out of the army. And as soon as I got out, I got into construction and I could not find any work. All Mm. of the construction work was over and done with. And so I was laid off and I could not find work. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to start a business again. Probably my third one at this point. Mm -hmm. What should I do? Well, I knew about computers because of uh, my upbringing in the computer industry. And I knew about trading because I'd been investing and my dad was, had taught me when I was in high school. And so I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to start a website using my internet and my computer skills. And then the website's gonna be about trading, using my trading skills. So I started blogging and just sharing what I was looking at in the markets. And uh, I think the timing was right because I think a lot of people were like me, maybe out of work, and they were just looking at the markets like I was. And so my site really started to take off quickly. Like I started the site in January of 2009 And by February of 2008, I was – or 2009 one like two months later, I was getting just tons and tons and tons of traffic. And uh, I was turning that traffic into revenue revenue using marketing, which I didn't know how to do. People had to teach me. Um, But by the end of my first year of blogging, I was making enough money from the website – that I did not have to ever go back to work again. And I have not worked a day in my life since that day.
0: I love how you phrase it, though, as you haven't worked a day in your life since then, but you definitely are still podcasting, creating content, raising nine kids and trading Trading. and all that. Yeah. (laughs) But when you do this is like an overused cliche, but I agree with it. I'm married to this cliche. It's like when you do what you love, you never work a, a, a day again in your life. And what that means is you may put in more hours. You may still be, you know, trading your time for money and producing, you know, marketable skills that people want to give money to and, and all this, but it doesn't feel like the drudgery of like the dirty W word of work. Like, you know, you're not like, <laughs> hey. I'm gonna sign up and be an employee and do things I hate and wait till the weekend so I can just live my true life from Saturday to Sunday. I mean, I
1: get to talk to you. That's fun, you know. I, I hear you. Yeah. Now When I was on the job, I would look at my watch, you know, like every 15 minutes. It's like, okay, it's 3.02. Wait, it's 3.03. It's 3.03 in 32 seconds. Like what this day is. And now I look up at the clock and it's like, wow, where did the time go?
0: Yeah. I forgot to eat lunch. I needed a a (laughs) reminder to do that. Yeah. That's interesting. So it seems like not only do you know how to invest in, you know, the market, right? Like that's definitely like a sphere. I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like all the facets, like, you know, how to invest in the market. I feel like the, the, the cult, like the experience you've got, gar- you've garnered and the lessons and whatnot are, are awesome. But like, you understand like the, the power of consistency and compound interest. And like, just, if you choose a couple of the right things over a long enough time period, like it's like the eighth one of the world, compound interest. And then for you, it's probably like a, a, you know, a handful of core values, not, you know, not stock related, but like, so what are like your core values when it comes to approaching life and business and where do they intersect?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. So when you talk about getting a few things right, and, and I would, I haven't actually like got a master list of everything, but I'm probably like 10%. And so I come up on the show and you're like, yeah, he's got a website. He's got a business. He's trading. He's got a book, a podcast, a YouTube channel, an email list with millions of people on it, blah, 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 Yeah. But those are like the 10 things I got right out of the 9,000 that I got wrong. <laughs> you know? And so That's there's awesome. been a lot of pain along the way. But yeah, you just keep, keep going, keep going. And the stuff that works, you keep doing it. And unfortunately, along the way, I've dumped a lot of good ideas and Jumped path and gone after the shiny object syndrome many times. But as far as like core values, I think relationship first, you know, don't build businesses, build relationships with other builders, right? For me, that's critical. Uh, My business associates are great friends and it's not really even about business or, I mean, we're making money, but it's kind of like, that's not like the point. The point is, we're gonna hang out and do something cool, and then we get to make money too. Yeah, you know? it's like okay, we're gonna go and do this cool thing, and then yeah, we'll make a lot of money doing it. But that's not why we do it. We do it <clears> we <throat> like to do cool stuff together. Um, so that's a that's a real big principle for me. Relationships, and when you find people like that, you know, uh, one good relationship is worth everything. Financially, it's it's unbelievable, right? Um. And so just like I said earlier about good people in your business, business partners and relationships, just, they just keep, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, And so, yeah, another one core value is family, family first. This, because you love what you do, it's very easy to do it all the time and not set boundaries. Uh, Especially nowadays that a lot of us are working from home. Mm -hmm. Uh, We could do this all day. And then the next thing you know, we're neglecting our family. And so it's really, really critical that we put hard boundaries on our work and we put family first. You take vacations, you know, you have a dinner time, you make sure that you're not working outside of your boundaries. And um, and then the last thing I would say, and this kind of ties into the relationships, but it's, you know, just do the right thing, be transparent. Um just always try to operate with integrity. And the way that I define integrity is you've got to have a set of values that you follow and do it no matter who sees what you're doing.
0: Love it, man. Couldn't agree more. I think, uh, you know, one of the the takeaways for anyone listening is like the work will always be there, but uh, make sure that the relationships, um, you know, Are also always there (laughs) the ones that you value the most um and some people i feel like have to learn it the hard way before they learn it so like whether that's like a parent or a you know a sibling dying or going through a divorce it's like okay well did you find the same fulfillment from your work that you would have if they still had that relationship the answer for most people especially the ones i talk to usually no the relationship is more fulfilling yeah, and,
1: and 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 just to jump on that, um, yeah, enjoy the the time with those relationships. Like you you hear it said that like just enjoy the moment. Just you know, just enjoy it. Just enjoy your time with people because, you know, you don't get that back.
0: Yeah, that's the one thing money you can get back. You know, you and I can both tell stories about how we've we've invested or spent money or whatever. And it's come, it goes, that's why it's called cash flow. It comes in, it goes out. It's managing it and planning, but I don't know.
1: That's right. You can get it back. And it's fun to get back. I mean it is. What? It is. <laughs> it is.
0: Um so as far as like when you focus on solving specific to go into, you know, one of the things you love to do is like working on trading problems, you know, making observations of the market. Like what is, if I had to ask you, like, what is one focus um, that you have on solving a trading problem? Like what, what are some of the trading problems that you see? Like, how do you approach solving these trading problems? Like, what does that look like?
1: So when you say trading problem, can you define that a little deeper for me? So I think for
0: I'll put myself in the shoes of somebody that, <clears throat> you know, it loves the idea of trading. So they may have done shorts or puts or options, or they've done swing trading or day trading. They may have tried all the things. They may have done the Robinhood, and you know, they'll buy something, hold it, and sell it. So like, there's so many different ways to trade. I think when it comes to marketing too, there's so many different ways to, to do marketing. But like the problem that I help a lot of business owners solve is they don't know what to do for their particular uh, mo like what like so in other words, like do you have a specific niche of trader that you help? do you have a specific niche of the market you help? do you have a specific strat like strategy like what how do you approach uh,
1: problem solving
0: in the sphere of trading?
1: okay, so I think that if somebody comes to me and they have an issue, uh, with okay, I can't make money, or uh, it's not working for me, or whatever. Uh, you really have to step out out and look back big picture. Mm-hmm. What are your goals? Right, you got to find your goals. A lot of times, people will come to trading because they're maybe in a financial fix. You know, they're they're in some trouble, and they think that it's going to get them out. It's almost like a lottery ticket. Mm. Right? And the problem with that is that. Um, you know, they're just looking for a quick solution. But if if people come in with a financial problem, there's usually a lot more underlying problems in the first place, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a lot of issues like psychological and mindset things that caused them to have financial problems in the first place, right? So if you're doing all these things wrong with money and you're going to trading to solve your problem, it's not going to work. Um, as a matter of fact, those same mm. problems are going to probably dig you in an even deeper hole. Than
0: you so did. like if someone may have a gambling addiction and they say, oh, well, the market and investing is just like gambling, it may be more of a problem into their relationship with money than it has anything
1: to do with their past experience with trading. Absolutely. And it's not – and that's, a, that's an overt example. I don't – but but sure. people will treat the markets as gambling and it's a quick fix. It's really their – people come to the markets for a quick Fix, mm. and I will tell you that the markets are not going to give you a quick fix. They're going to give you a quick smack in the face, <laughs> and um, a lot of people can't handle that. And so, uh, you've got to build out your relationship with money and have good mindset, and understand. Uh, you got to, you know, you got to know. Know yourself psychologically and really work on discipline. Just like I said before, it's so boring and that's not what they want to hear because they want to hear the what's the magic system? How can you tell me how to make it right away? And yeah. what trade should I make? Give me a hot tip. If somebody asks you for a hot tip, I just I don't even talk to them because they're <laughs> they're they have the wrong mindset. I'll give so you the one right of the, tip and
0: you're going to lose it. So one of the trading problems maybe that you do or you, you know, you can help is like the mindset around trading. Yeah. Like get, get your own house in order first.
1: Yeah. And let me, let me address it because, you know, they're like, Oh, you're the great trading guru. Help me, help me. And then I tell you what you're supposed to do. And then you're like, no, really give me your, give me your real secrets. (laughs) It's like, Oh, okay. Well my real secrets is go talk to that other guy (laughs) because you're not listening to me.
0: I, I, uh, I have a, uh, a friend that I have in mind right now who I've known since elementary school. And, you know, I was an avid wrestler. You're, you live in the West side of Pennsylvania. So you may or may not know this, but Whipple uh, Pittsburgh area, like the best wrestling almost in the world. So maybe this analogy hits some, and, and my buddy was, you know, great in high school. He had the record for most wins in a single, in a, in a career at our high school for a short period of time. He ends up going to Penn state, which is now like the best, you know, college program for wrestling and goes from being the best in high school to like, not a great record at all. And then he goes and becomes like, just like a point away from an all American at the end. Right. And it's like, well, how'd you transform from winning like 15, 20% of your matches to winning like most of them. And he goes, I, I just saw what everyone else that was successful was doing. I copied their daily habits I removed the negative vices and habits that I had in my schedule and my day to day. And over time, I just kept getting better 1% every single day. And you know, you start you trade going out for parties to prioritizing sleep and diet. And he's like, that's the secret. It's like there is no secret. The secret is there is no secret. <laughs> like that's, that's what he told a, that's me.
1: Trading too, man. It's it's so it's a, it's thing. a similar analogy, right? Everything's like, the same. When you, when you
0: have these relationships with people that are, that are getting the output or the result that you want, and you realize that the only difference between you and them is the input of like, what are you doing?
1: Like, that's a secret. It is. And, and the, the problem is you have to understand that because that's the, until you can get that, you know, you're not going to be able to get it. Cause again, these, the people that I, a lot of times that I'm dealing with, um, they just don't get it. They're always looking for the hack, always looking for the shortcut, always looking for the hack. So I have one more question
0: in terms of lessons learned. Um, I, I love asking this question. It's like from where you're at today on the other side of the trials and tribulations at the beginning, if you could go back and I'm not saying you have to redo your life and you have regrets or whatever, but like, you know, in a different timeline, in a different universe. What are what is like the one lesson you could tell yourself? Again, there's plenty, but if there was like one golden nugget to tell Casey at like eighteen, you know, what would that one lesson be?
1: It's great to, you know, getting old is is, and I'm not there yet, but getting old is is good and bad. You know, it's okay. bad because you're getting old. It's good because you've learned a lot along the way. And, uh, I would say that the biggest thing for me is just to remain humble. Mm. You know, um, you just don't know what is going to come your way. Right. And a lot of times it's maybe something that you did or you didn't do. Maybe the hard times comes because you did something dumb, but maybe it becomes happens because you did something right. Mm. Either way, you're going to get smacked down really hard and, uh, just remain humble and remember you're not better than anybody else.
0: It's an interesting one. That's the first time I've gotten that answer out of like 150 episodes asking that.
1: Huh? It's a good. That's why it's a good question.
0: Some people say invested in NVIDIA. And I'm like, that's a crap answer. <laughs> like,
1: That's not, and I'm glad you didn't say Go that. Go back right? in it's, time and invest, uh, and bet everything on the Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I, it's,
0: it's, it's cool to hear that answer from you because people that say that aren't in trading. Like that's not like what they do to make money. And someone that is in trading is just like, oh, you know, focus on, maintaining like humility throughout the highs and the lows and being kind of consistent in character and you know, the good, you know, good and bad things will happen, but it's all good.
1: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to go through it. So be ready.
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Um, So I don't have any other questions for you, but if you want, we can, you know, Plug plug people who do you, who do you want connecting with you? Where can they where can they connect? And yeah, let's let's plug Casey Stubbs.
1: Well, I I think the the majority of people that would like to connect with me is people that want to get some insight on markets. But you know I like to share anything really. You know I I'll do podcasts or emails and YouTube videos and a lot of times I talk about markets, but a lot of times I just talk about whatever I want. So, <laughs> so that, that's, that's pretty much it. But uh, you could check out my website, which is tradingstrategyguides.com. And from there, you can get access to my podcast. It's on the site and also my book, which is called The Complete Trading System. And from there, you can basically find out anything about me.
0: Awesome, man. Well, appreciate your time, Casey. As always, I hope this was a valuable brainstorm that enhances whoever's listening his lives.